Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. How are you? Today on the show, Kathy Ladman is here. Now, she's an actor and a comedian. But Kathy Ladman, when I was a doorman at the comedy store back in 87, she was there. She was one of the comics I saw all the time. She was There was a handful of women working. You know, the comedy store is always, even in back in the 80s, there were a, a lot of women working. It was her and Karen Haber, Jan Hart, Karen Babbitt, Carrie Snow, Jan Karam, that were working at the store. And she was very funny. She reminded me, she was very Jewish to me and was a, a joke writer, wrote point of view jokes, reminded me of my friend Chuck Squire, reminded me of people that I grew up admiring. And I used to see her when I was just a drugged up little door guy at the comedy store. And I hadn't seen her in a while, but I knew she was still kind of in the game. I knew she never stopped. And then she showed up on Fallon like a few months ago. And Kathy's older than me. I'm always saying that because I thought it was a pretty menschy thing for Jimmy to do, you know, that she got on and ask her how that happened because you just don't see women, let alone even some dudes who like she, you know, proudly has her hair or her natural color. It's gray. And she was just knocking it out of the park with the jokes on Fallon. And I was so happy for her, but I was happy. I was fucking proud of fucking Jimmy for doing that. You just don't see people uh, on major shows at that age. It's a sad truth and a, a, a woman to boot. So I was pretty, pretty impressed with everybody involved. And, uh, and I, I, and I hadn't seen her in a long time and it was great to talk to her. Yeah. You know, I had always assumed that she kind of didn't like me, but I also kind of thought that she might've like somebody took me to lunch and talk, to, and, and talk to me. I can't remember. I thought it was her, but it might have been Karen Haber. Somebody was like, why are you so fucked up? You're a young guy. You're getting all fucked up. You're in trouble. One of those conversations. One of the women comics did that to me when I was a 22-year-old coke freak at the door, sweating at the comedy store. But I, I, it wasn't her because I asked her. So look, you guys, I'll be at the Ice House in Pasadena, the newly renovated Ice House, in Pasadena on Thursday, April 27th at 8 p.m. You can go to wtfpod.com slash tour to get tickets. I feel like I should put my Largo 
uh, dates up there too. I'm going to be at Largo April 14th. I'm at Largo. So you can go to Largo, Largo's website. I think John Mulaney's going to be on. Uh, he said he would. We'll see what happens. Uh, and somebody else. I guess what I'm doing is I'm forcing myself into the position to, um, <laughs> to, to get new material. I, I, I guess that's what's happening. I didn't think it would happen so soon. I'm not sure what it looks like or what it is. I kind of got an idea. I don't know if everybody's going to like it, but um, I'm moving away from, you know, placating the panicked um, into something more personal and uh, more important. I mean, I've always been a little personal, but, you know, in terms of doing jokes about culture and about politics, uh, all you know where I stand. I've said it over and over again. And, it, you know, it's it's not my job to give you temporary relief or make you feel less alone around politics or speculating about global issues. I, I you know, there's deeper shit to do. There's more important things to do. Like, hey, if you're walking around the world with mental problems that you know you have and you're taking hostages and you're making people miserable or you're destroying yourself, it's, uh, let's get into that. You know, why is that happening? All of the problems, almost, almost, I would say 90% of the world's problems are personal. Is that, is that, is that too much? Is it? Look, man, I just, there's just areas and look, I have to, I have to tell on myself too. So that's where I'm going to be. That's the direction I feel like I'm going. There was this fleeting idea I had that, hey, maybe I should do a bunch of clean, mundane comedy, just observational comedy with no cussing and, and no, uh, no menace. Maybe that would be the next great experiment for me to just kind of like do a clean hour, do a pleasant hour, an hour you'd, you'd like your mom to see. Unfortunately, there's many people whose moms like me just the way I am. So I don't know. I think the, the clean hour is a fleeting idea and it's going to be uh, something more menacing and more personal, but completely relatable to you fuckers that know. You fuckers know, and I know you. So let's get on with it. That's where I'm going. Do you dig? Are you with me? What's happening? I was so excited to find a car wash after all these rains. You know, for some reason, all the car washes where you put your car on the track and it drags it through the brushes, there's not many of them around anymore. And I enjoy those. I like the ones where you can watch your car go through. So you get this weird proximity accomplishment. The uh, the sort of like, you know, like I'm not really doing it, but I feel like I'm doing it because I'm watching it. I'm watching it in the machine. <sighs> but I found one of those. So I got my car washed and it rained today. So whatever, doesn't matter. These are the things I do. Several supermarkets, run back and forth, forgot parsley. Just, these are the, this is the day. Put the laundry in. Yeah, this is the day. Make a thing, make a dressing, make some rice for the week. Huh? What am I? But what do I do? What do I do with the time? I, by the end of the day, I'm harried and exhausted trying to get dinner ready. For who? For myself? For Kit? ridiculous. These are important things, man. This is what I do to avoid my feelings. I put a lot of work and do a lot of little things, some of it edible, so I don't have to feel all the feelings.
What are you doing? What are you up to? What do you have to show for your own emotional repression? Anything amazing? But I'm trying to like catch up on movies. I'm trying to watch movies. I watched uh, I watched an entire series with Ali Wong and uh, Stephen Jung because I talked to him uh, about the series Beef, which I enjoyed. I watched uh, all of uh, this upcoming uh, Love and Death series about Candy Montgomery for to talk to Lily Rabe soon. So I'm watching a lot of stuff for for work. But then last night I'm on Criterion and I'm like, man, there's a lot here. Do I need to watch all the Buster Keaton shorts again? Will that bring me joy? Will that really make me laugh? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, and then I somehow I decided, all right, maybe it's time to watch Heaven's Gate. It's gotten a lot of bad press over the years, but then I've heard maybe it's not as bad as they say it is. It's still three and a half hours long. And I really had to weigh it out. Like, do I have the time right now? Is this how I want to spend the time? Should I do it in pieces? Do I give a fuck? So I started it and I was like, it's okay. You know, it's nice to see Chris Christopherson. Okay. But I didn't, I didn't follow through with it. I decided to watch some other movie, an Adam Orgoyan movie, who I like, and I'd never heard of this movie. I think it's called Felicia's Journey with Bob Hoskins. And what a disturbing, fucked up movie that was. I don't even know. Like there are movies, like sometimes I ask myself, who decided this was a story? But then I then I, I see that it's a book and that makes more sense to me. Because sometimes when you take a, a movie from a novel, it's like, this doesn't, this isn't like a regular movie that someone just decided to make a movie. This is some, this guy is, this is a fucked up character. The sort of embarrassed uh, son of a cooking show host who has long passed and he still lives in her house. And, uh, Apparently, he's got a, a uh, killing uh, women problem. I don't want to spoil anything, but the movie's from fucking 1999, so deal with it. All right? I found it very disturbing, and, I, and I'm a little haunted by it. So that's what I did with my time last night. But I also spent the day listening to some records, listening to some Charles Mingus, Listen to some Pharaoh Sanders, went upstairs, sat in my office among my stuff, did some reading, almost done with my, uh, my book about QAnon and the idea that it is orchestrated, intentional, agiprop brain fuckers, but all sort of on purpose. Nonetheless, it's a good breakdown of the conspiracy uh, uh, connectivity. See, I'm still staying on the pulse, man. I still want to know. I'm still in it. So look, you guys, Kathy Ladman is going to be performing in South Carolina next month. And then at the Pico Theater in Los Angeles at the end of April, you can go to kathyladman.com for her dates and to check out her stuff. She's got this one woman show about uh, anorexia that I, I don't know. Yeah, find out what she's doing at these dates because it sounded pretty fucking interesting. You'll hear. I'm going to talk to her right now. Listen.
Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. You did a great job on The Tonight Show the Thank other day. You. I mean, I had fun. Yeah. It had been a long time since I'd done a late night set. I can't remember the last time I did like that. I usually do panel. Right. Well, you're at a di- certainly in a very different place in your career than I am. I choose to do panel. I mean, like, and I'm give, I get it. I give, I'm given that choice. But, I mean, the whole doing a late night set is its own thing. Yes. I was just talking to Eliza about it. I was texting with Eliza. Uh-huh. Did you know her? Um, I don't know her personally. Because she told me that you were working a set. Yes. Because I brought you up. Yes. And uh, and then I realized it was that set. And it bombed <laughs> at, at the improv. I walked into the improv and this guy who was like a stoner yeah. was on stage doing yeah. really well. And right. I looked out to the audience. They were all in their 20s. And I uh-huh. thought, well, this isn't going to go well. Yeah. But traditionally, when I run a late night set in a club it, yeah. it bombs of course yeah except in new york it did it did well which made me a little bit nervous to tell you the truth huh well i mean that's because new york is a different expectation it's a very different comedy world there it is and i did it at the comedy cellar and they're great audiences yeah and it's like you gotta it, you gotta hit them you got i mean you gotta have the jokes right here it's like you know you can ramble on I know. And, and I don't know what's going on in some rooms, but I, I think it was a produced show that night. It was Brian Monarch's show, which is a weird bunch. You mean at the improv? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. They just I have no you, idea. They just threw you the, they just gave They me. just gave me, a, I, I asked for that specific night because it was the only night I could yeah. do it. And how, how long had it been since you'd done one? A late night spot? Yeah. Seven years. Wow. That's a long time. Well, it's like four and a half minutes, right? It was very short. It was four minutes and 20 seconds and, and. I thought it was longer because it, I thought it was running longer. Maybe my timing was yeah. just different out here. And um, and he said, you can add another joke if you want. And I said, you know, I'd rather not mess with it. I'd rather just keep it the way it <laughs> yeah. is. So I just did a little bit short. It's so odd, you know, that, I mean, we're talking. I, 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 I saw you recently, not too long ago. But, I mean, you were working the store when I was a door guy. Oh my God! That's, yes. I mean, that's when I knew you from. Yes, like I was, I was a doorman, a coked up uh, weirdo. Wow! In 1986. Yeah, and I moved out here in 85. 80, it was 87. Okay. It was 87. I was a, I was a, a doorman at the store, and right. I, like I would see you like every night. Yes. Yes. When I was in town, when I was on the road, obviously I wasn't there, but I could work. I basically worked six nights a week at the store. When I know. I, I made myself take one night off. 
I know it's crazy back then. And I have some weird, like, I might be manufacturing this memory because, I mean, I, I, I knew you, like, what did you know? You, I was just a door guy. I mean, I doubt you remember me. Really? Well, I don't, and I'm yeah. sorry. I, I, it's okay. But if you were coked up, then... Well, no, I had this weird thing, and I think my brain made it up that you told me to, uh, to uh, get my shit together. No. <laughs> That's not who I am. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. Never? No, nah. I don't think... Not like that. Yeah. I no, I mean, it that. wouldn't have been condescending. Like no, I mean, but I would have... I, but we we would have known each other more exactly. intimately for, for me, me to, to say, say that. that. Yeah. It must have been somebody else. I swear to God. Maybe. Some comic, some woman who was of your generation of people at that time, I think, took me to lunch. Was it Carrie Snow? No. Carrie Snow says hi. Oh, yeah. How's she doing? She's doing... Okay, you know, she had a stroke a while ago. Oh. Yeah, but she's doing okay. I think well, maybe it could have been Karen Haber. Oh, okay. That's right? A, that's, Somebody. that's a possibility, yeah. Uh, I could hear her doing that. Right? Yeah. You have to <laughs> get your shit together. <laughs> Something. See, I, but, what, but, okay, so you moved here in 86? 85. 85? Yes. From where? From New York. From you I was going city. out with Steve Middleman, okay? We oh, were my to, God. No. We were together for three and a half years. Uh, oh, wait. Now, let's go back then. Okay. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in Queens. What part? Little Neck, right on the edge, right of on the, the island, right on the border of Nassau County. Yeah, you know, it was Little Neck, then Great Neck is in Nassau County. Right, I knew people in Great Neck. Yeah, but the very different types of towns. Yeah, so what, as my father said, Little Neck is a two-fair zone. <laughs> what you have that? to take a bus and then a subway into the city. <laughs> it's you, a two-fair zone. So, well, you was you grew up in a big Jewish family. Yeah, well, not big. You know, yeah. three da- three girls. I'm yeah. the youngest of three. Really? Mm-hmm. What are, they, are these sisters still around? Oh yeah, both yeah. my sisters. Yeah, back east. Yeah, doing but, regular lives. Regular lives. My one of my sisters is uh, a retired uh, educator. Yeah. And my other sister is a retired speech therapist audiologist. And they're good. I just said audiologist, like I couldn't speak. <laughs> Um, ironically, um, they're both well. Yeah, they're both really well. Oh, that's, uh, and, and like, I, like New York Jews is still, I, to me, it's, it's weird. I keep noticing that there's less and less of them in comedy. And, um, and it was what? Is that true? I guess that's true. It true. used to be like predominantly. Yes. I know. The whole New York thing. It's like, it, they've just been, I, I, I don't, or maybe the identity is is not what it used, is not the same. I mean, because there was such an identity to New York Jewish comedy. All the comedy yes. come through there. Yes. All movies, TV shows. It was yes. all basically Jewish comedy. Yeah, the Catskills. Yeah. And, you know. and all the TV writers and movie writers. It's like, it yep. is. It, Sid Caesar's uh-huh. staff. Yeah, yep. all of them. Yep. But like, I remember when I used to watch comedy when I was a kid, it was like, it was, they were all the Jewish guys. And it's just not, that whole identity is gone. Yes. I mean, now comedy has become much more uh, diversified. Which is good. It is good. Obviously, but like there was such a type. Like mm-hmm. Larry David was is sort of one of the last of them. Right. In a way, you know? Right. right. And you like, so when did you start to decide to do this? What did well, da- your dad do? Well, how much pressure did you get to not do it? Oh, God, got plenty of pressure. Well, I, m- m- not as much as pressure to not do it, but not any encouragement to do yeah. it. Yeah. And and kind of like indirect pressure to do something else. Yeah. Um, I guilt. That's called. Yes, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you just that's a definition. Yes, you're of right. Indirect, indirect pressure. pressure to do something else. <laughs> um, I um, I decided that I, be, I used to. I became interested in comedy at the age of eight. Because of why? Because my parents had these comedy albums that I oh, used yeah? to listen to. Like who? In in particular, Nichols and May examined oh, yeah, doctors. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 
and I memorized the whole album. Yeah. And, and um and then I used to watch the Ed Sullivan show and if right. I could stay up late on the weekends, yeah. I would watch late night shows and, and I just loved comedy. And through my dad I think I was most interested yeah. in it. And then when I was thirteen, I was um voted class clown, which yeah. was like the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And yeah. I decided I wanted to be a comedian. At 13. At 13. Yeah, I, I and it took felt me, that. It took me another lifetime to start. Yeah, well, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's hard to know how to start. I was terrified. Well, I mean, terrified, but also, like, where do I go? Like, I, I, like, I wanted to do it when I was 11 or 12, and it wasn't until I, was, I went to a comedy show when I was maybe in high school and visiting New York. Right. And I went to the comic strip. Right. And I, and I saw Paul Reiser yes. sitting in a booth. And I was like, you know, and I'd seen him in Diner. I didn't know him as a comic, but right. I saw him that night. I said, I want to do this. How do I do it? And he goes, well, you, you, got, you just got to do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so are you from Boston? No, no, I grew up in New Mexico. My folks are oh. from Jersey. Oh, okay. So I always had sort of a connection there. I went to oh, okay. college in Boston. But oh, I was okay. always, yeah, I was at Becky's two, two or three times a year. Like okay. I'm, in, I'm genetically Jersey. Yeah, you, I mean, you have an East coast yeah, feel yeah, yeah, to you yeah definitely. yeah i grew up with i that. don't look at you and say new mexico no no well, <laughs> well how does that how would you notice anyone from new mexico but i don't know very uh yeah like kind of yeah, uh, hopi, southwestern hopi kind of uh -huh. patterns on their sure. head yeah, i don't know right right turquoise jewelry i <laughs> yes. have that i got some turquoise yeah, you do jewelry. have some turquoise um but yeah no the uh, jersey jews is okay. where i come from okay so 13 but then you just what you just then i went to school and my mother i, I went to college when i was 16 because i was so unhappy in high school oh, that i a, accelerated the hell out oh is that it yes you you had to get out i had to get so you had to out. apply yourself yes. that's where your the intelligence came from just a desperation <laughs> yes and so i went away to albany i went to suny albany yeah and it's cold up there and my yeah but and not that much colder than New York, New yeah. York City. And um, my mother encouraged me to uh, take uh, English education yeah. so I'd have something to fall back on. Um, of course, a good liberal right. arts degree that means nothing. Right. So yeah. I fell right back on it. I mean, I like it, it was like I graduated. Yeah. And, and I graduated in the middle of the year. So I never went to a high well, school You weren't graduation. happy there either? Well, <laughs> no, no. I graduated high school in the middle of yeah. the year in January. I started yeah. college. Oh, okay. And then I graduated college in December. So I never did a ceremony of graduation. Of either place. Of either place. Did you have friends? Yeah, I have some high school friends yeah. now, but not that many. Oh, still? I, a couple. But mm. I'm really... Um, uh, I was very unhappy in high school. I mean, I Why? really... Well, I was miserable. I, my, both of my sisters were away at college. Is that big age different? Oh, we're not. One sister is four years older than I, yeah. and the other one is seven years older than I. So they were both away yeah. at school. Yeah. So I was alone, and the scrutiny was all on me. From who? From my parents. Oh, right. And my father was very strict. What did he mean? Do? Oh, he was a CPA, but he hated it. So my whole life, he owned a bowling alley. Really? Yes, in Massapequa Park. Oh. On Long Island, twenty-five miles away from. What our was home. the name of the bowling alley? Three hundred bowl. They would they would answer the go. They would answer go three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian's doing a joke about back in the day when you call a bowling alley, because apparently he called a bowling alley and he got like a call center to book a lane. He says, you remember, oh my God. remember when you called, just be like, yeah, I think 12 is open. If I you know, come down. Exactly. 
Exactly. I used to go there sometimes with a friend. That was a big treat. Right. And we would spend the day at the bowling alley and we would yeah. help out. I would give out lanes and rent the shoes. And wow. Oh, it was so much fun. Was your father happy there? I think he was. Yeah. He really enjoyed the business. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he after he was a CPA and didn't enjoy it, he went into a couple of other businesses, the eyeglass frame business and then maybe something else. <laughs> yeah. And then... All I knew was the bowling alley. I wasn't alive right. or cognizant anyway. It's just so wild when I hear about people's parents who just sort of like, if they, you know, if they, the things they try, you just to try eyeglasses. What is that? How, so, what, you know, it's, it's it, a it was thing. a business. It was sure. a business. They were entrepreneurs, these guys. They four partners together, p- people that right, my dad right, knew from yeah, the yeah, army yeah. days yeah. and stuff. And they said, this seems like a good moneymaker. Let's try this. Right. You know? My father got out of medicine. He was old, oh, wow. and uh, and he decided he wanted to be a mailman. Oh my god! It lasted a week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very romantic so, notion. It, it was. It, yes. I don't know what he thought. He thought he was going to be the like. Mary, How you do you doing? remember that? You, I mean, you might be a little bit too young to remember the show, The Merry Mailman. No. Yeah, you're but too I, young. I, but I can understand how, like, he thought it would be fun. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, but no, one rainy good. day. Not good. Not good. I don't know. I think it took one day of just him realizing no one gave a shit about their mailman. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so he's you're doing the bowling. He's doing the bowling alley. And you yes. Go to, okay, you go to college, so you're out, and you go back home to Little Neck. Well, I went back to Little Neck for a short time, and my sister yeah. Leslie, the uh, the one who's four years older than I, she got a job. Her husband was going to dental school in Philly, oh, at yeah. Temple, I believe. Yeah. And she got a job teaching in the Abington School District, which is just north of Philly. I like and Philly. I, I, me too. Yeah. And when she got the job, the guy, they were living there temporarily at yeah. my parents' house, and, and the he the guy called and he said, I, um, uh, I just, is Leslie there? I just wanted to tell her that we'd like to hire her. And I said, oh my God, that's great. Do you have a job for me? <laughs> and he goes, well, I don't know when you come to visit Leslie, maybe we can set you up on a couple of interviews, yeah. which he did. And I got one of the jobs. I taught English edu- I taught English to eighth graders. Yeah. Um, and I met my best friend who is still my best friend. For life? Uh, yeah, 40, almost 47 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. She's my best friend. So you taught for a while? I taught for one year. <laughs> Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Like my dad and being a CPA. It's the story of your life. Everything dis- you just got to get out. Dissatisfaction. Right. Yeah. You got to get out. <laughs> you're right. I never thought about that, but you're right. I got to. I got to do this now. I have to leave. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, but I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, and right. then I decided I was going to move out to LA. In fact, I went to visit Jerry Seinfeld, whom I've known since I was 15. How'd you know him? He and I were on a teen tour together. Uh, to Israel, and we he was my first serious boyfriend. Come on. Yes. And I told him that he'd make a great stand-up comic. You went to a, on a teen tour to Israel with Jerry? Yes. When you, well, you went to, uh, so you didn't go to high school again. It was one of those teens. No, he lived in Massapequa. Yeah. He lived close to my father's bowling alley. My father knew Jerry's dad because yeah. Jerry's dad was in the sign business. Yeah. And That's uh, so, so funny. And my father would say, he's very expensive. <laughs> I went on a teen tour, but not to Israel. Where'd you go? Domestic? A, yeah, you flew, we flew into Colorado and did like, you know, the States on this. Uh, barren, oh, fun. Barren, barren teen tour. tours. Barren tours, yes, yes. I remember that. Yeah. But this was a very, this was not a, I call it a teen tour because there's really no other term I can think of. Right. But it was a very culturally, Jewish culturally based 
tour. Right. My parents, my mother was still trying to shove Judaism down my throat at that point. But how, but how religious were they really? Just like kind of um, conservative middle class? Yeah, but my, my mother was very, very into the whole culture of Judaism. Yeah. And uh, my father somewhat, but became less so as he got older. Did you have and grandparents like, that yes. were off the boat kind of thing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My, both my, both sets of grandparents. So from, they came in. They were in. They were on the like came into New York City and mm-hmm. then eventually moved out to the island or something. No, no. My grandparents always lived in Manhattan, really? Upper Manhattan, huh. Upper Manhattan. Yeah, both set, both sets. And you have yeah. that whole world. What, what like what culture did they bring with them? Um, Polish, oh God, here's a great German. What? Well, one, my mother's Russian. parents were Polish Austrian. Yeah, because the border kept changing. Yeah. And my father's parents were Russian. Right. But here, here's a great little story about my my grandmother, my mom's mom, yeah. Nan, uh, Nana. We called her Nana. Yeah. And um, she was a good baker. She yeah. was a really good baker. And she was giving me a recipe yeah. for um, some cake that she made. And she goes, you take a, a glass of flour and a glass and a half of water. And she's giving me all this. I said, what do you mean a glass? She goes, here. And she takes out a yurtzeit glass. Yeah. You know, the memorial glass. Yeah, they used the to be candle. bigger. They used to be bigger, though. Yeah, they, yeah. They're not as tiny as they are yeah. now. And that was her standard measure. Right. Was a yurtzeit glass, which I thought was so great. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's where they came from. Yeah. And that's where you end up. To keep eating the exactly, cake. exactly. And then you burn another candle. Yeah. And, and you have one for somebody yeah. else to bake with. <laughs> Oh my God, I have some memories of that stuff. Oh, so uh, let me tell you yeah, this story, yeah. okay? Um, so I was doing the Tonight Show last week, and the makeup uh, and hair women were terrific, and yeah. we're talking. And I asked the makeup woman, uh, "Where do you where do you live?" And she says, "I live in Inwood." I said, "Oh wow!" And my sister was in the room with me, and we had we said, "Oh, our grandmother lived there," and I I said, "Our grandmother lived at this address." Yeah, and she says. That's where I live. Come on. And then my sister called my aunt and found out the name, the apartment. Yeah. She lived on the same floor as my grandmother. Oh, my God. I know. It's crazy. We all had the chills. It was so great. <laughs> my grandparents, my earliest memory, well, they lived in Jersey City. Uh-huh. And then Bayonne. Oh, wow. And then, like, this- my father's people ended up, the Russians ended up in Asbury Park somehow, Jersey Shore. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But so you're on a teen tour? So, and Jerry and I met, and we really liked each other. You did the whole Israel thing? Was that the only time you went there? No, I've been four times. Mm. That was my first time, though. I was 15. And, um... And we stayed in touch, and we continued to go out with each other, and we would rendezvous at the bowling alley. Really? Because it was he was yeah. in the next town, yeah. and then sometimes he would come back and and, and stay. no one's doing comedy yet. You're just kids. No, I told him he would be. A, I I wanted to be a comedian at that point, but he I guess hadn't considered it, and I told him he would be a great stand-up comic. Was he always like he is? He was very funny. Always very funny. Oh yeah, in yes. that way. Um. Because, like, I've interviewed him, and he's like, you know, we're very different. Yes. And he's a very controlled guy. Yeah, he was different. He was different when we were kids. He was, he had... Uh, Both he, his parents are, were orphans. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which, it's kind of interesting. Cal and Betty. Yeah, you know him, huh? Yeah, I know. Of, of course, course I knew him. You grew up with him, right? Yeah. You've been over to the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought I that was a very interesting detail. Yeah, that's, that, that is interesting. And Jerry, I mean, Jerry has a sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But so 
okay, so you go out? We go out I, with each other, and then and then I broke up with him. But were we, were we just like making out? Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was a kid. I was <laughs> yeah. a kid, and then yeah. I and then I went away to college, yeah. and he went away to college, yeah. and then for one semester in my senior year, I went to Queens College. Yeah, and he was going to Queens College, and we sort of started Got going that. out again. Crazy. And then when I really wanted to start doing stand up, yeah, and was too scared too scared to do it. At the time, I was watching The Tonight Show, which was very painful for me to watch anything of comedy because I wanted to do it so badly. Really? And I was too frightened. Yeah. Did, were there women that you were watching that were inspirational? I mean, because like I try, because I know that you, I was looking around at stuff you did. There was some event you did in uh, tribute to certain, you know, women comics. Yes, and, yes. And like, you know, Belle Bart's name was out there. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know of her. I mean, but I would watch Toadie Fields sure. on The Tonight Show, yeah. Phyllis Stiller, yeah. and. Um, Joan. Joan Rivers, yeah. of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, Belle Barth was filthy. Yes, she was filthy. Yes, <laughs> she had those party albums. Yeah, I have some of those. Right, it's kind of crazy. Um, so um, then um, I saw him on his first Tonight Show, and I call, I was so naive. This is like oh, after college. This was um, yeah, this was like nineteen um, seventy nine or something, maybe. But this is like you would watch it. I was watching. I was watching de- as a depressed but did person. You, but I was did you in know bed. that he had gone that done stand? Yes, I knew because he started like right out of college. He okay. started, and um, we were in touch with each other yeah. intermittently, and then yeah. and then we kind of lost touch a little. Right. I was really depressed, and really, because I, oh, I wasn't doing what I wanted to do with my life. That's it. You don't have the biological depression. No, I don't not really. think so. Oh. Mm. But um, I mean, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think it ran you're, in my you're family. You're a Jew that didn't get. You got out of this without any psychological problems. Oh no, I'm not saying that. Oh. No, no, no. I have plenty of psychological problems, <laughs> um, but they're managed. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> like how? Like what? Medication and therapy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like what were the struggles? Well, anorexia was a big struggle for, for me. the whole life. Um, since I was about nineteen. Oh, it started at nineteen. Yes. Oh. Yeah. My mother's anorexic. Is she is? Yeah. Oh, does does she deal with it or no? Well, she. Uh, it's her life. Hmm. Uh, I'm she sorry. manages it. I think. Yeah, I'm totally like I'm totally. My entire emotional core is is directly affected because like uh, body image issues mm-hmm. and food issues is yeah. the bane of my existence. Well, deeply. Um, and it's, it's weird. Tough. It's tough. It's a tough one because we all have to eat. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, you know, I've kind of assessed it to my degree of it, mm-hmm. but it was really about her because it's all she gave a shit about. Yeah. And that's very, that's very uh, alienating. No, it's very alienating for, for, I mean, for you as a kid to be, come second to that. I used to do a joke. I said, I think for the first nine years of my life, my mother just saw me as her fat. <laughs> oh my god that's very funny and very very true very specific yes yeah well i mean that was the whole thing it's like she would you know if she thought i was chunky and it was like a disaster yep i mean to that to project that onto yeah. a child is very very that's what detrimental. I grew up yeah. yeah and my dad was nuts so but how does it come on just at 19 what and how well, did that, that must have affected you well what happened well the, the way I, of course it affected me. I mean, the way I... But you um, say you're depressed. It had to have something to do with it, no? Um, yeah, I yeah, think it had something yeah. to do with it. But I but I mean, I, I still have, I mean, I have major depression and anorexia is a manifestation of it. Oh. Um, 
But um, although now they say that anorexia lives on a chromosome and it doesn't really? necessarily become manifest unless you live in an environment that's conducive and, and, and nurturing to the disease to make it I mean, proliferate. For, for, I guess. Forcing you to eat? No, I mean, overbearing parents, uh, perfectionism, um, really, they the need to control, and yeah. I have all those things. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, but I've worked so hard on, yeah. on this. You did a one-person show, right? Yes. I'm you, doing it again at the end of April at what, the Pico Theater in, really? in West L.A. Yeah, I hope, you, I hope you can come. I'd come, but I mean, what, do you tour with it? Well, it's just starting, it's just starting out now. Oh. So um, I haven't yet found a way to tour with it and make it a viable thing for me to do. So I'm going to start to do like festivals. So, oh, but so you just, this is new, the This show. is new. I mean, I did it once in, um, uh, at the Pico last April. How'd it go? It went really well. It went really well. But it needs to have, I need to get some money behind it so it, I can do like a three-week run to really give it a chance so I can get it reviewed and pull people in. So I'm going to do this festival in New York in in the fall. What is that? It's called the United Solo Festival. I was supposed to do it uh, and then COVID hit. Mm. Um, but I I'm got a, three words for you. Jewish community centers. I know, I know, but that, but I think this has more. Of course, yeah, has I, more I, I, to I would, it. I wouldn't really wish that on anybody, you know. Like I, I did. You were very good. Yeah. <laughs> You're lovely up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remind me of my grandson. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but so, so it took you this long to process it in this way. Well, you know, I. Oh, it's an, another story. Yeah. Um, I. Never could find a way to talk about it in comedy clubs. I just couldn't find a way in. Yeah. It just did. Did you try? Did, I did. And it just, it, the audience would like tighten up. Mm. They would, it was That's too my favorite place for an audience. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe, maybe I missed it. Maybe no, no, I missed no, the no, boat. No, it's hard. But, it, but they would tighten up. They would get so uncomfortable. Not, and like you could talk about alcoholism, you could talk about cancer. But when I mentioned anorexia, they would look at me and be frightened. Yeah. And I just couldn't find a way. I needed a different venue. But, but you're also a person that, you know, you're a joke writer. Yes. So, so like, you know, it, it's- But my show's funny. My show's right, but, funny but, too. But, but joke writing is restrictive. Yes, it is. You're right. So if you're trying to do that around this- Yes. It's an added layer of challenge. I have one joke, uh -huh. real joke about it that I did. Yeah. Um, I say that um, I was turned down for health insurance because I have a history of anorexia. Well, yeah. that's what they said. I know why they really turned me down. It's because I'm fat. <laughs> yes. yeah. So that's like the only joke joke. But, you know, I wanted to get more truthful sure, about it. Sure, that's, that's glib. And I didn't want to be glib yeah. in this show. Yeah. So it took me, I'm embarrassed to say, it took me through several iterations, 20 years to get this on stage. From the first inception of, idea, of an idea that I wanted to do it to... And what was the idea? Well, just that I want. You wanted to talk I about wanted it. Wanted to talk about it, and and I in want an empathetic and 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 helpful. Yes, and he and help people. Like I really feel like I want to be of service. And and, and also, you had to come out the other side of it to some degree. You had, yes, you had to have control over your control issues. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's, I'm spiraling downwards. Yeah. Um. But 
yeah, it took me a long time until I found the right partner. Yeah. I, I, I'm working with this woman that I did a play with about uh, 12 years ago. Her name is Laura Coyle, mm. and she co-wrote it with me, and she's also directing it. Okay. So um, so we do it uh, April 28th to the 30th at the Pico Theater in West L.A. That's great. Yeah, and, it's and a it, nice little space. And so, like... How like so? You're 19 when this starts to happen. How yes. does it manifest? Like, how do you? Well, I and and the and the the inciting incident was I had this best friend with whom I was very enmeshed in college, and all of a sudden she dumped me, uh-huh. and I was I, I, I was completely I, I didn't know what to do. I yeah. I, I was so yeah. I, I don't even know what the word is now, Mark. Help me here. Devastated? I was devastated. Thank and, and, you. And you felt like you uh, you, you were invisible. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Okay, that's a good one. Well, I, I felt like I didn't... I, all of a sudden, my rock was gone. Right. And I didn't know what to do. Why do we? Why do people like us get connect, that attached to somebody? It's Just so unhealthy. It's, no, I know, but like, did, was were your parents selfish or like, were you... Yes. I mean, I loved my parents, but yes, they were selfish, each of them. Because I, I can't, like, because I used to do that, too, where I'd latch on to a friend. Yeah. Or or I, I were you the kind of person that, like, if you decided you want someone to be your friend, you would make it happen? Like, you'd, try, you'd pester them almost? Or no, I didn't pester them, but I was very proactive. I was right. definitely proactive. And, and you had that one friend. Yes, I would have a best friend, yeah. and then and I would have other friends, too. But this this was a very toxic Oh, kind of relationship. Okay. It really yeah. wasn't. And when she dumped me, yeah. that's when I went to Queens College for a semester. I had to get out of Albany. I just yeah. couldn't even stay there. Oh, it was the first year of college? It was Second? my first semester of my senior year. Oh, okay. Um, and um, so what happened was she and I went on a diet together. Yeah. And we got we got these uh, diet pills. We went to this quack doctor yeah. in town that everybody, all the all the young women were going to. Yeah. And we got these diet pills, and and I would take them in my controlled manner. Yeah. I wouldn't just like take them like yeah. haphazardly and a lot of them at a yeah. time. I would take them a few at a time, a few a week, and I would lose a little bit of weight. This yeah. is great. This is great. Yeah. And I basically went from. Uh, over a period of, of, I think, two years, I went yeah. from 127 pounds to under 85 pounds. Oh. And I still thought I was fat. Yeah. I still thought I was fat. Felt great, though, right? Well, you know. <laughs> so light. It didn't feel great, though. Oh, okay. It didn't feel great because I couldn't appreciate it. Yeah. And it looked horrible. I remember my freshman year of college, I uh, starved myself to the point where I probably got down to you know, 160-something. And I just like I was so excited to go home and show my mother. Oh, and I, there's pictures of me. And I'm did like, she like look at the size of my head? No, of course my mother's sort of like you got a little skinny. I'm like, go fuck yourself. Oh like, my it's, god! It's, After it's, all that, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, because she was always she's always been that way. But during sadly, she's doing okay. Yeah. But like during COVID, and now she had some health issues. She's put on weight that she's right. not going to take off. And uh, and I just uh, she, she's got she's got no position on it anymore. Right. Like, I go there, I'm like, how you doing? Like, I'm waiting for this sort of, like, you look a little, and you can't do it, can you? It's so mean and weird, but I'm glad she got fat. (laughs) That's horrible. That's so horrible. She's not fat. I'm sure she's not, but maybe she thinks she is. Of course. But, I mean, I weigh more now than I thought I'd ever weigh. And you know what? I don't don't love my body. I wish I did. Yeah. Um, But I accept it. I feel, I think about it all the time. Like most of the day, your body. Yeah, 
about like you know like but I'm like do I not should I, I not so you do that? a lot of self checking okay oh, the yeah. worst My, I, yeah. I'm not a, I don't pinch as much as I used to you know what I got another style I'm a woman I've got so <laughs> you got another what I got another style of check oh of, okay uh, I don't do the pinching oh what do so you do much. I just kind of pull it up right here oh okay right, well, <laughs> wow you got it you're in it I know you're in it I am um so. Yeah, I mean, I to to have reached to reach a level of acceptance yeah. is really comforting. I mean, I realize that I don't have to like something uh, in order to accept it, and and it's interesting. It's and that comforting. helped that helped the brain that the oh, anorexic yeah. brain. Oh yeah, and you know, I might never really love the way I look, but yeah. I accept that because that's who I am. But even in life, even in, like you know, there's that the sort of thing like why is that person do, like fuck that person this or that like like the the I am I recovery in other areas. You know, I'm a sober person. Right. Oh, okay. So we both Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the powerlessness thing and you know yes. and the acceptance thing is yes. is real. But so when you got that skinny, didn't your parents weren't they concerned? Oh my God. They were so concerned and, and confused and, and this was, you know, in the seventies mm. when it really wasn't part of the vernacular. Right. And, you know, my father would this is my father's uh uh cure. Yeah. Why don't you just open the refrigerator and take a piece of rye bread? <laughs> Literally quoting him. And my mother yeah. would shove newspaper articles at right, me, right. which she did my whole life, and yeah. which was very off-putting. Yeah. So I ignored that. About anorexia? Yeah. yeah. And, and it was starting to kind of creep mm -hmm. into the New York Times. Yeah. So um, I had this job in Manhattan. I was working at an ad agency. Yeah. And my boss, I was in the billing department, and my boss was very concerned about me. Oh. And this was at my low weight, like under 85 pounds, yeah. and she said, you don't look good. Huh. You really don't look good, and, yeah. and you should go see a doctor. Yeah. So, and I couldn't listen to my parents. I right. just couldn't, I couldn't take it in from right. them. And so I went to see this doctor, and, and bless him, he diagnosed me. Yeah. He said, you're anorexic. Yeah. And he told, he suggested that I go to the Ackerman Institute for Family Therapy, huh. and somehow I gathered my family one by one. Where was the Ackerman Institute? Uh, East oh, seventy, East seventy yeah. something Street, and uh, and you did it, and I did it, and it was, and I, we did it for a year or two as a wow. family, and that started me on a road, and then as I moved through life, different people suggested different ways to cope, cope, huh. and and comedy. So this you know, this must kind of coincide coincide with the comedy starting. Um, I started comedy in 81. I was in family therapy in 78. So, yes, it did. It, it freed me up a, enough to face my own uh, life and, and to do what I wanted to do in my life, which was a hugely important thing. Yeah. Me. I mean, part of my depression was, was not being able to do what I wanted to do. Because of fear. All fear. Yeah. All fear. So you're, you're getting... Uh a whole different mindset around the eating that that kind of spread out throughout your whole life. Mm -hmm. And so where, when do you try comedy? 81? 81 I started. Where? in At Good Times in New York. I don't even know what that is. Um, little, like, restaurant, the restaurant, uh, yeah. uh, like, they had a stage that was, you could see, like, it was like a fishbowl. Yeah. And and a lot of us started there. Rob, you, well, Paul, do you know Paul Lyons? He's, yeah, yeah. He, he and I have known each other, yep. other for 41 years. Rob Ross, he no longer does comedy. Paul Lyons, I think I just saw at Silver's uh, Memorial. Oh, that's... Oh, Is that's, that true? I don't know. Cause Is he here? I was not at Silver's Memorial. Oh. I was out of town. Oh. 
Um, yeah, who else? Rob Ross uh, uh, and other people that you wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, because they're not around. They're 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 not they're not doing. And it was like it was a comedy club or an open mic thing or what? It was not really a comedy club. It was a restaurant club. Yeah. And but a lot of people started there, and it was a lower level place to start. It was right. a. And I took a comedy class. Yeah, with who? Um, Dick Lord. Dick Lord was a um, Catskills yes, guy, right? And and I met Larry Amaros in that comedy yes, class. Yes, Larry. And you in touch with him? Oh yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And um, and so you would bring in material. Yeah. And you and then. You know, the t- at one point, Dick would say, "Okay, you're ready. You got your five minutes. Go to go to good times." Yeah, he would. You know, feed people wow. into and that I th- class. I feel like I talked to somebody else that took this class. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you remember other people in there? I just Larry. Oh, funny. <laughs> so okay, so he told you you're ready, and you go. I go, and yeah. then and I was off and running. You that did well. J- June twenty eighth, nineteen eighty one. First night, I did great. Then I went back the next night. Bombed, but but, I, but it was fine. I was in. Yeah. That was it. And you had peers. Yeah, had peers around pe- telling me, you know, go try the dugout in the village, and yeah. and go to uh, right. this place and that place, and and then I I ran into Bill Maher one time at the Improv, and yeah. he said, look, if you ever need some help, um, give me a call. Yeah. And I thought I'm going to take him up on it. Yeah. So I said I really would like to audition at Catch a Rising Star, and he helped set me up on an audition. It was December 5th, 1981, and I remember this because my nephew was born, and I was so happy and excited that my sister had a healthy baby that it made—it took the pressure off of doing a set. It just made it seem so yeah. much less important. Right. And I had a great set, and then I passed auditions there. At Catch. At Catch. Yeah. And, uh, and that was my home club in the city. Really? So at that point, Jerry was gone? Jerry was in L.A. Okay. Yeah. Because this was like, this was sort of after the big boom of the 70s. And right. there's the beginning of the other thing, the 80s. Right. The comedy club spreading out everywhere. Right, right. And uh, like, because Belushi died in 81. Yes. So the whole drug insanity at Catch was, uh, that was attached to the right. hipsterness of it all. Right. Was sort of dying down. And and Bud was no longer at the Improv, right? He was in L.A. I well, for a while, I yeah. guess. And Silver yeah. had Silver. Right. Oh, I, I, you know, I became good friends with Silver in in more recent years. Yes. But I remember auditioning for her, yeah. and I was so green. I wore skirt. I yeah. wore jeans, skirt, and a crew neck sweater. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I did my set, and I didn't do very well. Yeah. And I, a very uh, like a novice, I went around and I found her mm. in the club, and I said, ah. Uh, do you have any feedback for me? Yeah. <laughs> and she looked at me. She looked off off into space, and then she looked back at me, and she said, "Some things are better left unsaid." <laughs> oh my god! And I talked to her about this, and she yeah. said, "Well, that's a terrible thing to say." <laughs> yeah, she had her days, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I when I first got to New York, I, I she let me work there uh, in the in the later eighties. Yeah. Where I couldn't really work anywhere else. I couldn't. Uh, go to catcher the seller took years to get into those places mm-hmm. lucian kind of let me work eventually i worked at the comic strip yeah. and catch and i never i really didn't work the improv much when i was in. well it's kind of a beat up place in a way but it was also not transportation wise i lived on the upper west side i would take a crosstown bus yeah and then i would just do those two clubs right because they were uptown and yeah it was 40 who wants to go to hell's kitchen yeah I and mean, it was out of the <laughs> to, way yeah yeah so Who's who's in in your generation at Catch now? Um, who's still there? 
Susie Essman, yeah. Joy Behar, yep. Bev Mickens. Mm-hmm. But like Larry was gone, Jerry was gone. Larry was gone, Jerry was gone. Colin I, was there? Colin was at the, he was bartending at the Catch. comic strip. Oh, at okay. the comic strip. Oh, the comic strip? Yeah. Oh, and, you know, Scott Blakeman yes. was there, yeah. um, Rob Ross, Bill Masters. Bill Masters. Good friend, I'm mean, still a good friend of mine. I did a pilot with Bill Masters. Yeah, so you we, did? We wrote, we, I had a deal at uh, He's such a great Fox guy. Studios, and uh-huh. his wife was running Gail. Fox. Yes. And we couldn't get the pilot made. <laughs> That's hilarious. And Gail knows her business. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Well, yeah, so that's like there that's a lot of people. I mean, so. tons of people. Yeah. I yeah, mean yeah. I mean, uh it's but but uh Steve Schaefer. Steve Schaefer. Um Middleman was my boyfriend for three and a half years. That's wild. We lived together and then we moved we started to move to LA and then we broke up when we got back to New York and then we moved out here separately in 85. So you, oh, you came out to LA and then you went back? I, f- I found us an apartment. Oh, okay. We went back, we broke up. Yeah. And, um, was it terrible or good? Was, uh, the breakup? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a breakup, you yeah. know, it wasn't great, but, but, um, but then my father thought I wasn't going to go out to LA. I said, no, I'm still going out. Yeah. Um, so we went out, Steve and I moved yeah. out separately. Yeah. And and Mitzi was really good to me at the comedy store. So it's what, 82? 85. Oh, 85. Yeah. She was really good to me, and she started She started. She had work. a lot of women then. Yes, yes. And I met Carrie Snow, and I met Roseanne. She came out in, yeah. in 85. Uh, Karen Haber, Louise Duart. Oh, yeah. The Impressionist. Yes, I remember her. She right. was doing it. And it was like Joey Kamen. And right, right? and uh, Steve Odenkirk, Steve Odenkirk, whom I'm Odenkirk. still I'm still friends with him. Yep, yes. and uh, Damon Wayans and Belzer. Damon. We met Valerie Pappas. Valerie, Valerie Pappas. Pappas. Valerie Pappas and I used to stand in the in the back and watch Damon on stage and He's laugh and laugh, and then he would do something horrible, and we'd look at each other and we'd go, "Oh, Damon, exactly. Oh, Damon. That's ex- that was that's <laughs> what he should have called this special. Oh, Damon. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, oh, Valerie Pappas, I couldn't forgot about her she's great but like you're one of these people that i would see almost every night during my drugged out weird uh, doorman days right and then like i don't know what happens to anybody so you were just a touring act yeah. once, once you came out here you work out at the store and then you would I have toured a lot i toured a lot and then i got to the point clubs? where a uh, clubs yeah. yes and uh then i did several tv pilots that never got picked up what you had deals I never had a deal. But you wrote them for yourself? No, no. I, I was cast. Oh, okay. Right. I was cast. Okay. And uh, never got picked up, Yeah. Though. And. Uh, but did some episodic stuff? Work? Did some epi- yeah, did episodic stuff. Did a lot of late night stuff. Yeah. You know, did a lot of Tonight Shows. Well, you did with Johnny, right? Did with Johnny, did with Jay. Yeah, how many did um, you do with Johnny? Four or five. I can't remember. And Jay was four or five. Uh-huh. And I was on the last two anniversary shows, which was like an incredible honor. For uh, which one? For the Tonight Show? Tonight Show, yeah. Oh, yeah? So what was your experience around that? Like when you got here, because like I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I mean, but you had a career in mind because you have that kind of brain. So you had in mind what you wanted other than to just be a comedian? I knew, well, I knew I wanted to do the Tonight Show. I mean, almost every comic wanted to do the Tonight Show. Yeah. And then I, you know, and then I, I had a manager, and I did want to do acting. I, I enjoyed it, and I thought I was good at it. Yeah. Um, and um, 
And I, I did have some success. Yeah. I mean, enough success, but not, I mean, I never like hit it big, you know, yeah, it's, obviously. It's, it's, yeah, me neither. It, the, the weirdest thing about, it's just, it, it's, they just, you just get enough to keep you delusional enough to keep going. Subsisting. I'm subsisting. <laughs> and, but I, you know, I never give, I never give up hope. Yeah. You know, I never give up hope because it's what I love to do. But like in terms of touring, like when you did the Tonight Show yes. at that time, yes, did you were you able to draw and do all right out there? I did okay, but I have to say that it was a time when the comedy clubs were filling themselves, you know. And I would get a plug, and yes, it helped fill yeah. the room, right? Um, but I never became. I mean, was never enough of a road warrior, yeah. to really build a road following. Was your experience out there okay? It was okay. I mean. I, some clubs I loved. Yeah. Many clubs I hated. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I never want to have to work a room again where some, where I see somebody walk up to the window yeah. in the middle of the afternoon wearing a, a baseball cap that's sitting, like a trucker's cap sitting yeah. high on his head and saying, who's the comic tonight? You know, I just don't yeah. want to have to work that again. I mean, I really want to work to an audience who wants to see me. Yeah. Is that so much to ask, No, it's all, it's all I ever wanted, and it just happened a, a miracle, some sort of strange cosmic timing. Right. You know, worked out, and I was at the end of it. I was like... I know. <laughs> I'm not, I was like, I was looking down the barrel at either a B-room headliner for life or a gun. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. It was a, it was frustrating out there. I loved Catch a Rising Star in Cambridge. That was my favorite club. Yeah, I lived in Boston. I mean, I used to be my home club, kind of. Such a great club. Yeah, it was down. The, it was the old Jonathan Swifts. It was down the basement. Oh, right. And uh, JFK. After I hit the wall here. Yes. Uh, you know, I went and got. I went to rehab, and then I moved back to Boston, where I went to college, and started doing comedy again. And at that time. What was that? The first time I got sober, it was like 87 or something, right. 88. It was me and Dave Cross and Janine Garofalo. Oh, and wow. Gar- there was a whole crew of like people my age who were, were a kite linger. Yes. That was, that was who was hanging out down there. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Those were fun days, very creative And you would days. come in, people like you would come in and headline and we'd come watch. Right. But like Mondays, I think it was like Monday and Tuesdays were the open mics. Right. Or right. the, or the, for us. For local, you know, people working out. Right. And oh, one week I worked there with Jeff Stilson, and that was so fun. I just talked about him with uh, Ronnie Chang. And, oh. like, I want to get Stilson on here. You can. No reason why you can't. No, I know. I don't know why we haven't. I mean, he must have been in Australia or something. No. Mm-mm. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. He's, right? he's been working a lot. He's He's been working with Louis Black. Right. Huh. I wonder if he's mad at me or something. Maybe he just didn't come up. Well... You'll find out. Everyone's mad at you, Mark. Again? No, I'm kidding. If that's what you think, I'm sure. (laughs) I thought I worked it all out. (laughs) So, but you just kind of, and you write? You're on staff? I was writing on staff on Roseanne for a year. How was that? It was crazy. Yeah. It was really crazy. I mean, we laughed until we cried, and we cried until we laughed. Who else was in that room? Oh, my God. Carrie Snow. Yeah. Lois Bromfield was another That's one I That's who I was met. talking about. Okay, Lois Bromfield. Alan Steven. Um, what season was it? This was season, this was the penultimate season. Oh. Season eight, I think. So it was really crazy. So we were in, yeah, and we were in joke, I mean, it was a staff of 27. Wow. Um, which whittled down to 22, and um, we were in a joke room. 
and it was it was like a machine. That yeah. place was a machine. Yeah. I mean, no other no other show had a staff that huge. Huh. And then I worked on Caroline in the City, and I was a recurring character while I was writing on staff. That went for, on for a while, didn't it? Four years, but yeah. I only remained there for two-thirds of a season because I just didn't want to be behind the scenes. I really wanted to be Again, in front of the camera. Again, you got to get out. I got to get out. <laughs> I, got, I knew you were going to say it as soon as I started telling this story. Uh-oh, he's got me. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Yeah. And do you work, you work with Caroline Ray? I worked on the Caroline Ray show yeah. in New York. Yeah. I was writing on that show. She's coming around the store again. Yeah. I, well, she never came before, and I told her to come. And she was nervous about it. I'm like, don't be. She's like, is it like the comedy seller? I'm like, nothing like the comedy seller. No one's going to, you know, just come and just do sets. The store's very good right now. Yeah, I know. I mean, I can't even get spots there. Oh, really? Yeah, I put in availability. You know, I, I mean, I was able to run my Tonight Show set. Huh. But. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's an odd that thing. That was my home club. I know. But, like, it's, it's you know, and it's all, it's very different than it ever was right now. Mm-hmm. And it's very kind of balanced and there's no egos, you know, running the place. Oh, that's good. Peter's running it from Portland. He's so nice. Yeah. And. But but just in terms of performance, that place was very vulnerable to any sort of you know swinging dick to just take over the place, right? And then you got to deal with chaos, right? Uh, but that's not happening. That's great. It's crazy. That's great, and it's got you know all those rooms that you can work. It's yeah. it's great. It's great. But like I thought it was I I thought it was great that you were on the Tonight Show because you do represent a generation. Yes. And and I what's odd about it is that like I started to realize this because Dreesen's back. He's older than you, but right. he's back. Right. Argus never left. Not, no one's even sure if he's not a ghost. Right. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, there's an audience. Yeah. And and it's like it's a big audience that doesn't really have that much representation in stand up anymore. It's weird. Yeah. When you think about, it. I mean, you know, Jerry does Jerry, but Jerry's just this massive star that can go out and make money, whatever. But right. like, just in terms of working stand ups, I don't know who's out there doing it. And it's I've I've kind of become like. Uh, I think it's great. I mean, most of us have most of us have moved on to other venues in right. our careers. Yeah, but I've really. I guess that's what it is. I mean, I've I'm I'm just like the spinning plate person on the Ed Sullivan show. I mean, I want to. I'm doing my solo show. I want to do stand up. I want to act. But you've I'm, never stopped. No. Yeah. I've never stopped. I mean. I mean, certainly I've slowed down at times, and yeah. I don't work at the pace that I used to in the 80s and, and the early 90s. Do you have family? You raise a family? Or? I have a daughter. Yeah. Um, she's 19. Oh, wow. Yeah. How's that? She's good. She's good. She's okay. a tough one. She's okay. a tough one. But yeah? she's, she's from China, uh-huh. um, and she's real independent, Yeah. Um, and she's doing well. That, that must have all its own challenges. Um, to have yes. adopted, my brother's got three adopted kids. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, it does have its own challenges, and especially a not a non domestic yeah. adoption with someone who's clearly not from us. Right, right. You know, right. And she, oh my God, she she did, did the, said the funniest thing. My soon to be ex husband Tom w- went to get a, a haircut. Yeah. Uh, at Fantastic Sam's, and he came back, and it was a really short haircut. Yeah, yeah. And my daughter said, you look like a cop who would stop a black person for no reason. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> very specific. She's very witty. <laughs> very witty. So, I mean, like, how did, like, not not to be rude or judgmental, but, like, how do you get the Tonight Show at this point? 
here's how I got it. It's not rude and judgmental because yes, it's you're correct. Yeah. Um, my I was I did the Hermosa Comedy and Magic Club in July yeah. of last year. Yeah. And um, uh, and they videotape all the sets. Yeah. And I was nervous because I hadn't been in front of a live audience in a while. Yeah. Because of COVID. Yeah. And I had a really great set. Yeah. And I sent the set to my manager, Glenn. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he loved it. And yeah. unbeknownst to me, he sent it to The Tonight Show. Huh. So, um, and and Michael liked it and said, oh, I, I wanted to do the show. But yeah. it took, you know, six months yeah. to get a date. But, like, I like doing Jimmy. Me too. Because, like, and I of- like him. Yeah, me too. Out of all of them, he's the best audience. Like he's all a he doll. wants, to, like, and I know him from the from the you know years ago. Oh, you do? Yes. Oh, because yeah. like all he wants you to do is make him laugh. Like they are so relieved with somebody who can just do the thing, right? Because it makes their job easier. Yes, absolutely. And he's just just looking at you like, are you gonna? Are we gonna do it? You know, yeah. like yeah, yeah, I'll get it. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I like doing that show, but it doesn't have the same impact it used to. But it feels no. good to do it. It does feel good to and do And he was it. very cute when he's like, this is your 10th one. You know, like yes. he associated himself with the legacy. of Yes, the well, it's the it same, is. it's the same, it's you know, the franchise. Yeah. 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 And did it feel great? It felt great. It was really, it was really fun. I mean, I was, it was, it was a slightly nerve wracking because I hadn't done it in, I hadn't done a late night I can't in imagine seven years. doing a five minute set. Now. But it was so Fun. I was. I'm really. I really enjoy doing this. Yeah. I. Lo- I was really in my element, and I remember. I'm thinking to myself while I'm doing the set. I'm thinking, okay, it's going okay. Yeah. It's going okay. And then <laughs> I said, I fumfered over some words, and I had to repeat a few words. And I'm thinking, that's okay. People do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst when your brain skids. You oh know, yeah. Like, where you just sort of like, and you're going out. I don't think anyone noticed that. <laughs> I didn't notice that you. you, you no, because people do that. Like I thought, right. people do that. Look at you not being a perfectionist. I know, isn't that something? <laughs> See how what therapy's really paid off. It, You're not beating the shit out of yourself a week I'm, later. I'm not. It's great. I, it is great. I know. I'm really I'm like serious. gleaning some happiness from this. Good. It's well, fun. it's great talking to you. Oh my god, this was a blast. <laughs> Good. So fun. Good. And let me know when uh, send me okay. the information. And we'll plug the uh, the show. Oh, great. What's the eating disorder show called? Uh, does this show make me look fat? Okay. Well, I, I hope that, uh, you know, you get that going good. Thank you. I th- And I really think I can help a lot of people. And when I've done it and presented it online, mm-hmm. like for readings and stuff, um, I've always heard from people who say thank you so much yeah. for talking about this. And I'm struggling with this. And- yeah. I mean, people, like, no matter how much it's the culture seems to have awareness of it, yeah, uh, it's still, you know, a thing that, you know, it's, it's hard. Well, it's a big problem, I have to say, because yeah. our society uh, is complicit with it. It really sure. does support sure. having an eating disorder. Yeah, that and youth culture. Yes. So, like, uh, anorexic seniors have real tough. Right. <laughs> I know. Nobody cares. Tough demographic. It, it is. is. It really is. All right. Good All right. To Great to talk to you. That was fun. That was fun talking to Kathy Ladman. Again, she'll be at the Newberry Theater in South Carolina and the Pico Theater in Los Angeles next month. Go to kathyladman.com for dates and ticket info and hang out for a minute will you 
For Full Marin subscribers, we've got another Ask Mark Anything posted with my answers to your questions. If you were at the comedy store and collapsed and looked up just before you popped your mortal coil, which comedian would you be happy was the last person you saw? And which one would you not like to see before you were carried away by baby angels? <laughs> Who would I like to see? Uh, which comedian would I like to see? Um, it's a very sad moment. Uh, it would be nice to see Maz Jobrani. He'd be a nice guy to see at the end. He's a very pleasant fella. To listen to that and all our bonus content, plus every episode of WTF ad-free, go to the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com, click on WTF Plus, and sign up for the full Marin. Next week, big week, Brooke Shields on Monday and Kelly Reichart on Thursday. These were two amazing women who... I was very excited to talk to. Very, totally excited. So that'll come through. Here's some muddy guitar work.
Boomer lives. Monkey, LaFonda, cat angels everywhere. I think I fucked up my mic stand. Thank <laughs> you.